Amistad, this is your host Alicia, aka your favorite Asian. Like I said last week, I am covering Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker. Now, if you have not watched the newest documentary on Netflix, I highly recommend watching because there's so many chances for this case to be solved if the different counties in California work together. Like with his car being checked for fingerprints when it immediately was confiscated, or when the dentist fixed his teeth but no one was there to capture him. Now, there were four victims who were murdered by Richard Ramirez that were Asian or Asian American, so I thought it would be appropriate to cover this case today because of how much horror it caused families in the state of California. Now, I am going to cover the murders of the Asian and Asian Americans, but if you would like me to cover the stories of all his victims, please let me know by DMing me on Instagram or by emailing me, and I can totally do that. Also, before I begin this case, this is a trigger warning that there is mention of sensitive subjects such as sexual assault. I respect your decision if you would no longer like to listen, so for your mental health and stability, if this is too triggering, I understand if you cannot listen to this week's episode, and I hope you listen next week. So let's discuss Ramirez before the murders. Ramirez was born February 29, 1960 in El Paso, Texas. Ramirez was one of five children to parents Mercedes and Julian Ramirez. He had four other siblings, Robert, Ruth, Joseph, and Reuben. It is reported the children were born with birth defects due to their mother being exposed to chemical fumes at work in a boot factory while she was pregnant. His father, Julian Ramirez, was Mexican and a former policeman who later became a laborer. He met Ramirez's mother when they were both 14 years old. His parents then married at age 19. According to biography, Richard started experiencing epileptic fits in his early childhood caused by multiple head injuries. When he was two, a dresser fell on his head and at five he was knocked out by a swing. In a book about the Night Stalker, author Philip Carlo claims Ramirez's dad was violent towards the children. He himself had been beaten as a child by both his father and grandfather. Despite vowing not to treat his five children the same way, things did turn violent if the children got into trouble. Ramirez's siblings were not the best role models for him growing up either. For example, Richard's brother Reuben was arrested for stealing a car and developing a glue-sniffing habit. His other brother, Robert, also developed a drug problem. According to Carlo's book, Ramirez was scared of his father. During police custody, Ramirez claimed his father beat him and his siblings. Then reports stated that when he was 12 years old, his cousin Miguel returned from Vietnam War and would show him pictures of Vietnamese women who he had allegedly raped, tortured, and killed. This, however, interested Ramirez. The following year, when Ramirez was 13, he was a witness to his cousin's fatal shooting of his wife. Miguel shot his wife in the face. He was given a four-year prison sentence and found not guilty on grounds of insanity. After this, Ramirez moved in with his sister, whose husband was referred to as a peeping Tom, and would take Ramirez out at night with him. Ramirez briefly had a job at a hotel where it's been reported he would use his key to rob people who were staying there. He was arrested for an attempted sexual assault at the hotel and his employment was terminated. Once the charges were dropped, Ramirez dropped out of school and moved to California where he would permanently live. Around this time, 
Ramirez began breaking into homes and was first arrested in 1977 for marijuana possession. When he moved to Los Angeles, he continued to commit crimes and was briefly imprisoned for stealing a car. He also picked up a cocaine habit and started getting into Satanism. Now, before we get into the murders of those who were Asian or Asian American, let me describe how it all started. His first victim of the Night Stalker killings was 79-year-old Jenny Vincow, who Ramirez murdered on June 28, 1984, when he broke into her home. Jenny was stabbed multiple times while she was sleeping in her bed. Her throat slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Ramirez gained access by removing a mesh screen covering an open window which is where he left a partial fingerprint. At this time, Ramirez was only 24 years old. He then did not kill again until the following year when he murdered Dale Akazaki and Silian Yu separately on the night of March 17, 1985. Dale Akazaki was two weeks away from her 35th birthday at the time of the murder on March 17th. Born in Hawaii, Dale was one of the three children and from a close family. In fact, she had spent the evening of her death at her parents' house watching television and talking about her boyfriend and promotion to traffic supervisor with Los Angeles County. Dale is remembered by those she left behind as kind and caring. She loved skiing, shopping, and planning parties, and especially making holidays of the most mundane occasions. Her sister told the LA Times, it just made her happy to make other people happy. Whatever she bought, she shared. When she went to the zoo, she bought everyone panda pins. When she bought a gigantic bag of popcorn on sale, she divided it into 20 small containers to give to friends. A coworker recalled, one time I told her I had to spend the weekend painting my house Saturday morning and she showed up on the doorstep paintbrush in hand. Dale had been taking classes in cake decorating, flower arranging, computer programming, and most recently self-defense. She spoke to a friend saying how scary rape was so found self-defense as a way to protect themselves. So on March 17th, Dale left her parents' home around 9 p.m. for her own home in nearby Rosemead. Her mother recalled warning her to drive carefully on the free because her car was not in good condition. Shortly after 10.45 p.m., Ramirez was found at the garage door with 22-year-old Maria Hernandez, Dale's roommate. Maria was the first of the two to encounter Ramirez when he approached and shot her in the garage as she arrived home. Fortunately for Maria, the bullet ricocheted off her car keys ultimately saving her life, but she still fell to the ground. Dale was hiding behind the kitchen counter when she looked up from the counter to find Ramirez right there, and he shot her several times. Maria thought that he would go out to the garage door, so she ended up going to the front door, but by that time, she found him escaping through the front door. Ramirez raised his gun at her, but Maria ducked, begging him not to shoot her again, implying that the first one in the garage was enough. And by some miracle, he listened and literally just walked away. Thereafter, Maria went into her condo only to find her roommate's body in the kitchen. Dale was shot through the forehead at point blank range. When Dale was buried at Rose Hills Memorial Park, there were so many mourners that additional seating had to be provided outside. Later that night, Ramirez murdered Sileanne Yu, also known as Veronica. She was a 30-year-old student studying at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Traveling home in Monterey Park in the early hours of the morning, she was stopped in her vehicle by Ramirez at 500 North Alhambra Road, Monterey Park, and shot to death after being dragged 
from her car. Ramirez shot her twice with a 22 caliber handgun and fled the scene. She was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. The Sun notes that the murder took place just 40 minutes after Ramirez killed Dale. Detective Gil Carrillo felt that the suspect wanted a confrontation and wanted to see that fear. This was a start of Detective Gill thinking it was one man doing this. Sai was born in Taiwan and later buried there in Taipei City. On the morning of May 13, 1985, 65-year-old William, also known as Bill Doy, drove to a Ford dealership and placed a down payment on a family van. Bill had been in a Japanese relocation camp during World War II and later joined the highly decorated 442nd U.S. Army Regimental Combat Team. He retired from his sale jobs with Santa Fe Trucking and loved to spoil his four-year-old grandson. The next day on May 14, 1985, Ramirez broke into Bill's house where he lived with his wife Lillian. Lillian at the time had a disability and was 56 years old. Surprising Bill in his bedroom, Ramirez shot him in the face with a 22 semi-automatic pistol as Bill went for his own handgun. After beating Bill into unconsciousness, Ramirez entered Lillian's bedroom, bounded her with thumb cuffs, then raped her after he had ransacked the home for valuables. Bill died in the hospital while Ramirez left Lillian to live. Lillian described Ramirez to the police as a tall Hispanic man dressed in all black with bad teeth. He also left behind footprints from a pair of Avia sneakers in the flower beds, which the police ended up photographing. It was a new shoe with a pantheted sole that had only been in America since earlier that year. Detective Salerno ran a check and discovered that the only pair of shoes with that brand and size of 11 and a half had been sold in the Los Angeles area, while the other three shoes were sent to Arizona. Unfortunately, they were paid for in cash and the store owner could not recall who had bought them. This caught them in a dead end. Ramirez had been following the media coverage of his crimes and knew the police were eager to catch him, so he headed to the Bay Area, but he could not stop his killings. On August 18, 1985, Ramirez entered the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. He killed Peter in his sleep with a gunshot to his temple. Then he beat and sexually assaulted Peter's wife, Barbara. Barbara ended up surviving the attack. Ramirez used lipstick to scrawl a pentagram in the phrase, Jack the Knife, on the bedroom wall before leaving. Peter was born in Taiwan and attended the Warden School in Philadelphia. Then he returned to Taiwan, worked for a railroad firm before moving to Hong Kong to open an import-export business. After opening his business, Peter and Barbara immigrated to California 16 years before the murder. Peter enjoyed gardening because it was a meditation for him and friends would say he was always the first to arrive at work because he was so hardworking. A sweet thing he did was that he always kept a photograph of his three-year-old granddaughter on his desk. Barbara was an accountant at Peter's business and they were found by one of their three children who stopped by to visit the next morning. When it was discovered that the shoe print evidence from the Night Stalker crime scenes matched the Pan crime scene, Diane Feinstein, who was the mayor of San Francisco at the time, revealed the critical information in a televised press conference. This leak infuriated the detectives in this case as they knew that the killer would be following media coverage and had an opportunity to destroy crucial forensic evidence. Well, sure enough, Ramirez, who had been obsessively watching the press, walked to the Golden Gate Bridge that night, dropping his size 11 and a half of Via sneakers 
Texas and his favorite gun over the side and into the water. He ended up remaining in the area for a few more days before stealing a car and driving past Los Angeles to Orange County. On August 30, 1985, Ramirez took a bus to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother, unaware that he had become the lead story in virtually every major newspaper and television news program across the state of California. After failing to meet his brother, he returned to Los Angeles early on the morning of August 31st, 1985. He was unaware that his image had been circulating in the media and he was recognized by a woman due to the pictures of Ramirez in the press. She was outside a convenience store and started shouting that he was the killer. Due to the focus on Ramirez's teeth in his police sketch and in police descriptions, he was easily recognized by the public. So when he realized that he was being recognized, he started running, trying to carjack a number of passing cars while he was being chased by the neighborhood. By the end of the chase, Ramirez was captured by a group of residents and was hit on the head with a metal pipe and was beaten by the mob before the police arrived. Police ended up recovering a car he had used with bullets inside that linked him to several of the murders. They also recovered a handgun. In El Paso, the police discovered 375 pieces of jewelry Ramirez had stolen from his victims and then sent to his family. By then, he had murdered 14 people and 30 other counts related to his rape, robbery, and murder spree. During his arraignment in October of 1985, Ramirez flaunted his allegiance to the devil by turning to the media and revealing a pentagram he had drawn on the palm of his hand. Later, as he was being led off, he yelled out, Hail Satan. His court case went on for over a year and at a cost of $1.8 million, making it the most expensive trial in the history of California until O.J. Simpson's case in 1994. Richard Ramirez was found guilty of 13 murders, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries on September 20, 1989. Ramirez was given 19 life sentences and was put on death row. On August 7, 2006, Ramirez's first round of state appeals ended unsuccessfully for him when the California Supreme Court upheld his convictions and death sentence. On September 7, 2006, the California Supreme Court denied his request for a rehearing. In 2009, police connected Ramirez with the murder and rape of a nine-year-old girl May Lung in 1984. Police were able to connect him to the case after his DNA matched a sample collected at the crime scene. He apparently murdered her in a basement of a hotel he was living in in San Francisco and her body was found hanging from a pipe. May's eight-year-old brother was the one that ended up finding her and this is thought to be his first killing. Ramirez died on June 7, 2013. He had B-cell lymphoma, a type of blood cancer and died because of complications from this. He's also reported to have had hepatitis C and his illnesses were made worse by substance abuse. At the time of his death, he was 53 years old and living on death row at California's San Quentin prison, where he had been for over 23 years. During his time in prison, he had been married and divorced once, and when he died, he was engaged this time to a 23-year-old writer named Christine Lee. But no next of kin claimed him, so he was cremated. Honestly, to me, the idea of even being attracted to a serial killer is unimaginable. I cannot find 
any murder attractive in the way Netflix Night Stalker showed pictures and videos of him in a glamorous way was honestly atrocious to the fact that this man killed and raped many women and men ranging from as young as six up to people in their 80s. It's honestly disgusting to even think that he could be redeemed for his actions because someone thinks he's attractive. If you watch the Netflix series, it is interesting to think about how Ramirez chose his victims because all of them were either Asian or Caucasian. In a letter to the New York Post before he died, Ramirez would beg them to send picture books of Asian girls so it seems like he had a fetish of some sort like maybe when he was picking his victims it's honestly something to think about and how he chose his victims like was he really a night stalker watching his victims before he attacked or were these people chosen at random so again if you would like me to cover the whole case with all the victims just let me know. With that, we honor Dale Okazaki, Sylian Yu, Vincent and Maxine Zazara, Bill Doy, Mabel Mont Bell, Mary Louise Cannon, Joyce Lucille Nelson, Max and Leela Needing, Chena Ron Kovana, Ilias Abawath, and Peter Pan. Follow me on Instagram at Your Favorite Asian Podcast and hit that follow button on Spotify if you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any cases that you would like me to cover, please email me at Your Favorite Asian Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to show kindness and advocate for equality. Pa'alam, and I'll talk to you again next Sunday.